Good evening, church. Again, we assemble with uh, thanksgiving and joy in our hearts and our service to the Lord and how good God is. Let's go to God in prayer. Welcome to each of you, both members and visitors alike. We praise God for your attendance. Let's pray, please. We love you, Lord God, Heavenly Father. We pray to thee. We ask you, please, to bless us and help us to keep our minds focused. Oh, God, bless us to fixate our minds on Jesus, to remember that amazing sacrifice that was made in our behalf, to hallow your name, to live our lives as separate from the world, to be the people that you would have us to be. Bless us, Lord God, that we will be refreshed from our worship of thee and strengthened for the week to come in our battle against temptation. Thank you for all that you've done and for all that you do. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray and thank thee if it be that will. Amen. Looking again at disputes. Disputes. Very common. But preventing a dispute brings peace. And as God's people, that's what we ought to always look forward to, is to be able to prevent and even resolve a matter or a dispute quickly. They're never fun. But the Bible does teach us how to gain perspectives and how to prevent major disputes. So minors are going to kind of always be here. But we can prevent those major disputes. I want to look at a few scriptures tonight, beginning at Proverbs chapter 26. I think we all would agree that preventing a dispute or a major dispute simply tells us put the fire out before it gets too big, right? Or put the fire out before those embers ignite. And how do we do that? How do we really, it's really simple. How in the world am I going to solve this, this, prevent this problem from becoming a major dispute? Watch how simple the Bible says it is. Verse 20, Proverbs 26. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there's no whisper, a contingent quiets down. It's pretty simple. If we don't blow it up and blow it out of proportion, this fire is going to go out. If we don't add fuel to the fire, right? Sometimes I'm the one. I'm the one. I said, well, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah. Well, what happened? Oh, let me tell you. And then I add fire or fuel to the fire. I present wood to the fire. Well, if we do that, it's going to get big or larger or bigger. If I, if I stop whispering, if we are not whispering about it amongst each other, it goes out. It, that's pretty simple, right? I think we all can do that. It goes on to say in verse 21, like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver dross, are burning lips and a wicked heart. It just... It gets worse, right? Chapter 20. Chapter 20 of Proverbs. 
And the verse is three. Uh, if we learn to do this, here's another principle for us. Keeping away from strife, Proverbs 20, verse 3, is, is an honor, right? I, I used to teach my, my children when you're in school, if you see a big crowd in a big circle, go the other way. You already know what's going on. You already know. You don't need to go over there. Just go the other way, and, and that will help solve the problems of life for you. And you know what? If you're nosy, you're going to hear about it later, because you know kids do in school, they're going to talk about it all day and the next day, and a few others. You don't even have to be there to be an accessory to that incident. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, Keeping away from strife is an honor for a man, but any fool will quarrel. Any fool will fight. But to be able to restrain myself, right, uh, from, from getting involved and from being a whisperer, from adding fuel to the fire, to be able to restrain myself, that's a godly attitude. Chapter 17, in verse 14. Put the fire out before it, it ignites. The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. Just abandon it, right? Just, that's how we, so do that at home. Right? We do that at home. We, we do that amongst each other. Um, we, we, just, we just abandon it. I thought it was kind of interesting that on Wednesday of last week, um, uh, Brother Heffington was talking about this very subject, and we'd already started it. We're going to come back to it. And I really appreciate some of the things he said, because what this next section kind of feeds into what he spoke of as well. We're going to go to James chapter 4. Looking to yourself. So there's a strife. There's a situation that's going on. And, you know, and in my heart, I have this attitude about a, a certain thing, whatever it may be. How I got there doesn't matter. How someone else got there doesn't matter. This is where we are at this moment. So there's some questions that we ought to ask ourselves in that moment, if you will. And the first question is, is there any pride in my heart? Is there any pride in my heart right now regarding this subject matter that we're speaking of? So look at James verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You see, what happens with this pride is I become passionate about this subject. Whatever it is, I'm passionate for whatever reason, right? Whatever the reason may be, I'm just passionate about this subject. And when I'm passionate about a subject separate from the Word of God, and even including the Word of God, where there's a judgment that's going to take place, Self-centeredness is very easy to fall into, to become self-centered. Because I'm so passionate about it, too much passion on a subject matter without, without being equal, if you will, or even killing your thought process hurts everybody. It's certainly going to hurt you. It will hurt others as well. And so that passion is sometimes very destructive for self. Am I passionate about this subject? Philippians chapter 2. And how did I even get there? How did I get to this particular point uh, in my life to where this particular subject is so involving or uh, so much a part of my life? How much passion do I possess? Am I looking to Jesus or am I just trying to be right? right? My passion says, 
I want to be right. And you know how it is when it's a, let's say it's a, it's a dispute. When you're in a dispute, guess what's natural? You want to win. Right? That's natural. But the, but the reality is for God's people, we are to always, even in our passion and in a dispute or whatever it may be, we've got to be looking to Jesus, right? Always looking to Jesus. And Jesus tells us in Philippians 2, in verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but you've got to love this word, but with humility of mind that each of you regard one another as more important than himself. So there's this, uh, I don't want to handle this in selfishness. I, you know, I'm passionate about it, maybe because, you know, my, my ancestors, my friends, I don't know what it is, but I'm passionate about it, but don't be selfish with it. And then in this particular situation or conversation, um, which could involve itself in being empty conceit, humility is key. Right? That's the key to life, right? Humility is key, and humility regard the other individual. Think about the other person in this dispute. Humility is critical. Regard others as more important than myself. But that's kind of tough, isn't it? to set myself aside, to set my passion aside and ask myself, looking at Jesus, hey, you know, will my passion cause these people to fall away from Jesus? Will my passion cause these people to become angry and frustrated? Will it cause them to sin? Will it cause me to sin? So Galatians 6, Galatians chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, looking back again at self, Am I emotionally and spiritually mature enough to actually handle this situation? Sometimes I'm not. I got to step away and say, you know, hey, you know, this is, this is above my mental pay grade. I, I, I can't do this one. And there have been times where uh, I've, there's been a situation and I've said, you know, I, I really don't care to deal with that situation. Not I don't care about the situation, but... I don't want to be a part of that one. I'm going to defer to someone else on this. You know, you can do that, you know. Because we don't have to all have the answers. We have to do something that's very powerful and impactful. And it's found in Galatians 6, verse 1. And it says, Brethren, if any man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual. Okay, let's think about that for a moment. Just, just for a moment. John 8 there was a woman caught in adultery. And there were all these people gathering around. How many of those people gathering around do you think had a part in that? Right? The whole setup. Because there's no man. You know, the, you know the account. There's no man. There's just the woman. And they come to Jesus to test him. So you know they set it up. Right? They never look to themselves. They were looking only to catch Jesus. And so the first thing that has to happen when someone's caught in a trespass, whatever it may be, um, and you step up and you want to restore someone, the Bible says, brethren, if any man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, got to stop again. I have to ask myself, am I the right person for this conversation? Am I spiritually mature enough 
to handle this without bias, looking toward the scriptures and really trying to help save a person's soul? Or am I just on the bandwagon? Am I just jumping in there and maybe I'm jumping in there prematurely or maybe I just want to be right? I don't know what the reason may be, but you've got to first look to yourself. Now, there's two reasons you want to look to yourself. One is you want to make sure that you're spiritual minded enough and mature enough to handle the conversation. There's some very deep conversations that we can enter into when you're speaking to people. Am I the right person for this particular conversation? Second thing, it says to restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. But that's really important because maybe if I'm not the right one, I'm going to fly off the handle. Because I know some people that have gone through this very situation, and I remember a time when, hey, this has nothing to do with those people, right? But can I separate myself from those people or that situation in the past and deal with this on an independent and individual conversation piece? You can't use other people or defer to other people's situations that maybe you've been in to help someone to be restored in the sense of, I'm going to come and talk to you because here's what used to happen and we're never going to let this happen again. Am I the right person for the job? Can I come to this individual? Can I conversate about this situation in a spirit of gentleness? And as I look to myself, it says, uh, uh, each one looking to yourself, here's the other problem. Now comes my own selfish reason. Because I might be tempted too. Right? If I'm not mature enough, if I'm not spiritual enough, I'm going to find myself sinning, supposedly helping somebody else to get out of sin. Now I've got my own problems. Right? Learn how to step away sometimes, church. Right? Learn how to say, you know, I, I don't know how to handle this one. L learn how to be Job's three friends when they first came and be silent. Learn how to do this. This is really important and very critical. And I find it as the most, the easiest way to deal with the situation. And that is, always look to the scriptures. Say, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you, but I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures. Why don't you go read the scriptures and maybe we'll come back and talk about it. Maybe I'm not the right person to talk to you about this. Go to the Bible. Look to Jesus. Make sure I don't have too much passion in this subject matter. Ensure I'm looking at myself or to myself. Make sure that I'm spiritual enough to handle this particular situation before I jump out there and say, hey, sign me up. I have all the answers. Because none of us do. Remember, it's not just about improving others. I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It's not just about improving others and their relationship with the Lord. It's also about improving myself. Right? I want, I want to grow in this. Right? I want to grow in this situation, whatever it might be. Right? How can I help? But at the same time, how can I grow? Right? As I help them to grow, and they likewise help me to grow. First Corinthians 14 and verse 20. There the Bible says, Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. See that maturity? Yet in evil... Be base, but in your thinking, be mature. Am I the right man for the job? Am I the right one to go to about regarding this situation? First Corinthians chapter three. It's very important. It's critical that we look to ourselves, that we think, behave, and communicate 
with maturity in all situations. If not, we're just going to spout off all of our opinions. Right? And you know, those are the cheapest commodities on earth. Opinions. Everybody has one, right? Everyone wants to spout off an opinion. If we do it in immaturity, it's going to do more harm than good. So, so Paul, for example, you know, the church of Corinth, they were a mess. They had all kinds of issues. And Paul is dealing with their issues, you know, one by one, chapter by chapter. Uh, and as he's dealing with them, he's saying, the only problem I'm having in conveying my message to you, the message from God is, you guys, you're not ready for it. So he says in verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as the spiritual men, but as the men of flesh. As the babes in Christ. And I gave you milk to drink and not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not yet able. I mean, you guys, chapter 5, you're, you're boasting about this man who's sleeping with his father's wife. Chapter 1, I hear from Cleo's people that you guys are divided. Chapter 2, you guys are not spiritual minded. You're not looking to Jesus. Chapter 3, you're just babes in Christ. Chapter 4, you just, I mean, you're having all kinds of issues and you don't even know that you're supposed to be servants of Christ. Chapter 6, you belong to Jesus. Haven't you figured that out yet? Chapter 7, is it good not to touch you? I mean, you know, he's answering these questions and questions. You know, you just go through the book of Corinthians and he's dealing with their immaturity. That's why the book is written that way. As you read through it, you realize he's dealing with their immaturity. And as I look through the book of Corinthians, I've asked myself, hey, wait a minute. I kind of fit in here. This might apply to me. Verse 3 says, But you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? They were still fleshly minded. It's like they were living in Christ, but they were also straddling the fence and living outside of Christ. Is it, has the spiritual become the number one priority of my life? And if the spiritual condition that I'm in is not my number one priority, then I'm still fleshly. And if I'm still fleshly, I'm just a babe in Christ. I'm not ready for meat. I'm only ready for milk. And if I'm only ready for milk, I'm not the one to give you the answers for spiritual guidance. No, I'm not the one. Look to yourself. Ask yourself, where are you? Where am I in my spiritual condition with the Lord? The next chapter, uh, or book rather, doesn't really get too much better because in 2 Corinthians, I got some more of the same issues. And Paul says, how do you want me to come to you? I can come in both ways. I can come as humble as a dove or I can come as shrewd as a serpent. How do you want me to come? I'm calling out your sins. I mean, it takes them a while to figure it out. They were spiritual babes. Hebrews uh, chapter, chapter 5. We're not supposed to remain spiritual babes. We cannot use that as an excuse, but I'm just a babe in Christ. But sometimes we're just spiritual babies, and so we need time to grow. That's all right. But recognize that in yourself. I have to recognize that in myself. I get calls, you know, do you counsel on this subject? And I'll say, you know, and I know my weaknesses. I'll say, well, do I have the ability? Yes. Education? Yes. 
but I'm not the one for that. You'll have to contact someone else. And I refer people off somewhere else. Because there are certain things I just would rather not counsel or rather not be a part of. Now, does that mean you say, well, preacher, you're the preacher, so you should be able to talk about the Bible and every. I get that. I understand that. We didn't say a Bible study. We said a counseling session. Very, very different things, right? Very different subjects, very different, very different everything, right? For though by this time, verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 5, you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You ever been there before? I, I've been there. You know, um, you know, you know, some things, you just uh, help me to understand this with more clarity, Lord. I've been there. Have you ever been there? You, you, ever, you ever look at the subject matter and, and then you look at it later and you realize you really didn't know much about that subject matter? <laughs> you know, you go, wow, now I know more about that subject matter, which now I know I've got to learn more about that subject matter. Or maybe in my, in my walk of life, or maybe in my Christian walk. Maybe, maybe some of the brethren went off this way and, and I went with them when I shouldn't have. Maybe, maybe a, situation, a situation happened in my life in our conversation and I was a part of that conversation when I should not have been. He says, for this time, you ought to be teaching the people you're with, but instead we're finding ourselves as being followers and doing the wrong things. You come to need milk and not solid food. Same problem that the church of Corinth had. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Sometimes you sit down and you try to show them the word of God. And they go, I, I don't, I'm not ready for that. Or I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to forgive. Or I don't want to... Well, if you're dealing with a babe in Christ, meaning a person who's only prepared for milk, there are some conversations you just, you just can't have with certain people. They're not going to receive it. They're not going to receive it, church. There are some sermons that I know that I have preached in the past and have preached that aren't going to be received. Of course, that's not my job to worry about what's going to be received or not received. But there's just some. And some people walk away and say, you know, I, I didn't like that sermon. Or, or, you know, I don't like the preacher. Or what, I mean, that, that's okay. It doesn't change the sermon. It doesn't change the message. It often adds to the message, but it doesn't change the message. The question is, am I a person who is prepared for, for milk only, or am I mature enough to handle disputes that come my way? Not all disputes, just some disputes that come my way. And being on milk is not a place you have to stay. That's a choice. Right? If I'm on milk, and I want to get off of milk and become a stronger uh, member of the body of Christ. We're going to close in Hebrews, by the way. A stronger member of the body of Christ. It's a choice. Become more faithful, more committed, more dedicated, and most of all, two things. Increase your prayer life and increase your study time. That's how you grow in Christ. There's no other way to grow in Christ, right? You've got to sit down and you have to accept that, Lord, I need help, and here's where I am, and I want to be able to go deeper into your word. I want to be able to read Leviticus 
and get something out of it. I want to be able to read that and see the depth of the message that God you're trying to share with us. I want to go back and look at the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon and say, hey, you know what? This book is speaking loudly to me in regards to relationships and my relationship with Christ. I want to be able to go to Obadiah and say, Lord, what are you talking about when you're speaking about dealing with our brothers and our sisters in Christ? I want to go to those books like Nahum and Joel and understand more of the depth, God, of what you're saying to me. You can only grow if you put the effort and time in. If you do not put the effort and time in, you will never grow. And you will stay on milk forever. That's the same for all of us. So we're dealing with the dispute. I look to myself and I ask myself, am I the right man to, to be the person to help with this particular dispute? Or should I opt out of this one because I'm just not mature enough? That takes humility. The final verse is in 14. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Notice what the mature do. They're, they're, not, they're not perfect, but they practice this, right? They, they, they work on it. You, you keep working on it and working on it and working on it and working on it by looking to yourself, right? And let's be honest, when it comes to a dispute, I will say for myself, in all fairness, that if, when I admit to myself, here, Tony, if you were in this very dispute, this situation, and you were on milk, let me just use that as, as, a, as an analogy here, you were on milk, would you handle this any differently than the people that you are speaking to? And you know the reality is? I probably wouldn't. In fact, I might be worse. I have to humble myself. I have to humble myself. And not pretend to be something that I'm not. If I'm not mature in this particular subject matter, I have to humble myself and walk away. Right? And point them into a different or another direction. There are other brethren who can handle some of the things that you and I cannot. Tonight, disputes. We'll come back. We'll pick up the last half of this. Um, global and next week. Disputes. Are you the right person for this situation? Are you adding fuel to the fire? Or are you able to walk away strong and at the same time having made the other person stronger in Christ? That's the question. Tonight we have an invitation, an opportunity for you. If you're not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender and allow God to save you through the waters of baptism. If you're struggling in your walk of faith, we can pray with you and pray for you. Please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. I am so